You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Good morning. It is Friday, May 21st. You're listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Trey Scott. I'm joined right now by Tom Loy. Tom, happy Friday. I guess I should give you an introduction first. You're an analyst for Notre Dame uh, or for 24-7 Sports covering Notre Dame. I'm not sure you've been on the College Football Daily yet. Your colleague, Tim O'Malley, has a few times. He's excellent. But when I was mapping out the Notre Dame episode I wanted to to do today, I was like, I'm going to get Tom on because it, it it's a lot of recruiting. So thanks for joining us. And I, I hope you're ready to talk some offensive linemen. Absolutely, man. I appreciate it as always. You're the man, Trey. Always good to catch up, buddy. Yeah, I, I hope I didn't scare anyone by saying like we're talking O linemen today. That's not the not the sexiest thing. But for Notre Dame, it's par for the course. This is good timing to do it. Chris Hummer is coming out today with the 100 impact freshman of the 2021 college football season, and he has two Notre Dame O linemen on the list in Blake Fisher and Rocco Spindler, who are who are class of 2021 recruits, ranked very highly. You covered both of them. I think it's great time for Notre Dame to bring in another stellar offensive line class, considering three O linemen were just drafted a few weeks ago, including Liam Eikenberg and Aaron Banks, who were second round picks. Tom, when you're covering these kids on the recruiting trail, and we're going to talk about the two specifically in a little bit, I would assume at this point, Notre Dame just sells itself when it comes to uh, the big uglies. Yeah, I mean, it's hard. There was a lot of questions whether, you know, all these guys chose Notre Dame or if they chose to play for Harry Heastan when he was at Notre Dame. And then Jeff Quinn came over and it just people were uncertain of how offensive line recruiting was going to take place and continue at Notre Dame. But man, there has been no drop off. I mean, it's it's been pretty ridiculous. The embarrassment of riches that they've had along the offensive line and these guys not only are they close during the process, I mean, Blake Fisher and Rocco Spindler, I know you had mentioned that those are the guys that like are potentially the next big thing at Notre Dame. They are so close. They are essentially best friends. They're roommates at Notre Dame. I mean, these guys are attached at the hip and there's there's chatter of potentially them starting as true freshmen. So clearly there's been no drop off. I mean, Blake was going to play in the All-American Bowl if it happened. Rocco was going to play in the Under Armour game. You had Joe Alt and, and you know, before... Barton Simmons moved on to Vanderbilt. Him and Wilt Fong couldn't have been higher on this young man with, with his potential. So there's there is chatter that like the best is yet to come for, for the offensive line group because he's just a guy that's going to continue to get bigger and better. It's just pretty amazing with with uh, how well they've done at this position. And again, there's just not going to be any drop-off anytime soon. Were you saying there was a, a coaching change along the offensive line recently, Tom? I don't, yeah, I don't was, know anything about that. Not recently, just over the last couple of years since Jeff Quinn took over because Harry Heastan was so respected at the position. I mean, Mike McGlinchey, Quentin Nelson, you know, Zach Martin, all these guys that have done so well, you know, praise him for his efforts and, and everything that he did. But ever since Jeff Quinn's been there, I mean, they've been Joe Moore Award finalists and, and there's just been no drop off. I think everybody's been very pleased with the play of the offensive line. And, and then you look at this year, there could be some changes. There's a lot of new guys. You just you just mentioned the couple that were drafted, including guys like, you know, Tommy Kramer and and Robert, Robert Hainsey, who's not going to be back. I mean, I don't expect much of a drop off because they're, they're coaching them up. They're recruiting the top guys. It's it's really going to be fun to watch these guys over the next couple of years. How long have you been covering Notre Dame recruiting? Um, I think I just got a notification that I moved to South Bend, Indiana, like seven years. I think it was tw- actually eight years ago, 2013. Um, oh. So it's been eight years now. Yeah. Have you been able to tell a difference? In those eight years, Tom, of the the quality of the player they're able to get, I, maybe you're having more fun 
on the job because the players are a little bit better. I don't know. I mean, 2013 was Notre Dame was coming off a BCS title game appearance. So, uh, but I would imagine things have changed a little bit. Yeah. I feel like, especially, I think the biggest change for me covering Notre Dame has been the, the improvement of Brian Kelly, to be quite honest. And I think that they have a really good staff of recruiters under him. So um, I think that, like I said, and I think Notre Dame fans should be very excited about the direction, but um, in terms of just change, I think he's really made a nice adjustment over the last couple of years and he's gotten better because he's, he was always like the guy that like, I'll get to know these guys really well when they're actually signed and they're my players. Because when you talk to players, they're always like, yeah, Brian Kelly's the man. We, we, we hang out at his lake house. We get to know him. We're close with him. But when you're dealing with the recruits, they're like, yeah, we, we, for a while, it was like, yeah, we talked to him, you know, when I committed or we talked to him, I talked to him on the official visit, but it wasn't like you hear like when Urban Meyer was, was handling it or, uh, you know, a Tom Herman or a Ryan Day or a James Franklin, all these guys that are just ridiculous active recruiters. People didn't say that about Brian Kelly. The last couple cycles, it's been that way. And he's done such a better job of really showing off a, somebody that I think has a really good personality. So I think that that's, that's definitely helped. So it's been more fun because he's doing a lot more and you can, you know, there's a lot more to report on. So it's a, it's pretty cool to see it. I think Tom Herman will probably send you a Venmo after this episode. Did, did your ears kind of perk up a few years ago? Maybe it was last year. It's been a long year, Tom, when Brian Kelly referenced recruiting rankings and said, there's another ceiling we want to get to. I think he said top 10 or, or top five. Yeah, Coaches, I, I think, recently have only begun to acknowledge that they even look at rankings. Yeah, it's kind of funny. I mean, I think it was Urban Meyer that said something about like he checked, he starts his day by checking the 24 seven sports rankings. But I do think there is an opportunity there for Notre Dame to end up in the top five. I mean, it's, I don't see them ever getting the number one class. There are some people want to make it seem like it's an excuse, but there are academic restrictions. It is, it is, they can't recruit every single kid. It's just a fact. Not every, there are restrictions where the academic side says you guys can't recruit this kid because he's got no shot to get into school, but there are opportunities where you can, you can go out and get some really, really talented football players, guys that understand the importance of academics as well. It just takes effort. And I think that this current staff is doing a really good job from top to bottom of, of finding those guys. But again, it all starts with Brian Kelly. So you can, you know, especially the new blood of Marcus Freeman coming in to, to run the defense and you got Tommy Reese, a relentless recruiter on the offensive side of the ball. It's, it's, like I said, the direction of Notre Dame football is really, really good and impressive at this point. I think that there's not going to be any type of a, a drop off anytime soon. Let's talk a little bit about each of these players, specifically each of these two linemen. And I will throw out, and this would probably be a question for O'Malley or Prister. I'm a little surprised given Notre Dame's history along the offensive line that there's even the chance for two true freshmen to start. But, you know, the best players will play. Blake Fisher, highest ranked signee in the class. You already talked about how much everyone loved him. Six foot six, 330. And then Rocco Spindler was number 59 player in the 2021 class. Tom, were these big recruiting battles or were they kind of Notre Dame slam dunks all the way? So I think we got two opposite ends of the spectrum here. We had Blake Fisher, who I always felt was going to go to Notre Dame. He just headed off with the coaching staff early on. Brian Kelly did a really good job of making him a priority in-state kid, obviously just he was on campus, fell in love with the school. He's just a strong fit. And, and, and I think that was a, a no-brainer to pick Notre Dame early on the 24-7 sports crystal ball. Um, it was a safe bet. It was going to take a – I felt like he would pick Notre Dame early and then they'd have to hold on to him because I felt like more people, more schools, more coaches 
we're going to get a look at him and then be like, wow, this kid's the real deal. We should probably jump in there. And then obviously he had the Alabamas, the Georgias. Georgia was a team that I was watching for a while as a team trying to flip him. They they were ridiculously just the effort they were showing was ridiculous from start to start to finish in that recruitment. So kudos to them. But but I always felt like it was going to be Notre Dame. Rocco was a little different. There was some back and forth. There was some movement there. But it was always, in my opinion, Notre Dame or Michigan. He's from Michigan. And it was just when you talk to him, you get to know him. You just felt like it was just going to be a perfect fit at Notre Dame. They were looking for the big picture of academics and athletics. Um, comes from a tremendous family, as does Blake. I mean, th- th- there's, but then you watch them get to know each other and connect. That's where it started clicking for me that I felt like Notre Dame is not going to lose this duo because they've gotten so close in the process. And like I said, they're best friends now and roommates. So when I picked Notre Dame early on the crystal ball, there was the, you know, Tom's a homer and he's just picking Notre Dame, whatever the case may be. But that was because in talking to Rocco, I mean, it was, I was told matter of factly, Notre Dame was the team to beat and it was up to everybody else to play catch up and Michigan battled, but he committed in August, I think of 2020, but he had been really committed well before then, or at least strongly leaning to Notre Dame well before he actually made his public announcement. So it was a, it was a great battle between two, two rivals in Notre Dame and Michigan, but, but in the end, um, the Irish won. I think it's pretty cool to have two true freshmen, both ranked in the top 60 who could both start right away. I'm getting like McGlinchey, Quentin Nelson vibes where mm-hmm. we got maybe two future first rounders on our hands. When you look at the 2022 recruiting class from Notre Dame, Tom currently number four, are they shoring up? The issues that we've seen in the playoff, and by that I mean the uh, the outside explosiveness at receiver and at corner. You can be honest; I'm seeing a lot a lot of tackles still. I think they're doing a good enough <laughs> job, but I don't think that they're. I think speed is probably the biggest question mark. I think that them bringing in a guy like Lorenzo Styles Jr. at, at receiver, a guy that I'm extremely high on, I think that's like that's the kind of kid that Notre Dame needs to recruit to to not just play. Alabama or Clemson, but to actually beat them. I, like I said, I, I love their recruiting efforts over the last couple of cycles. I think that they're targeting not just great fits, but like really, really good football players that Notre Dame needs to needs to be landing. I loved Kyron Williams. You know, he's a true difference maker. He's an NFL player because you have such a good offensive line. You you got to have somebody that's just not just a guy back there, but you want to have a difference maker. And I think they have those two of them really in Kyron Williams and Chris Tyree. They just need to get like you said, explosive playmakers, not being able to see Kevin Austin on the field other than a couple reps here and there because of injuries and then off the field stuff. That's been the biggest issue for for Notre Dame. I mean, this is a guy that's got all the talent in the world. Um, He was a guy that we at 24-7 were so high on coming out of high school. He just hasn't been able to stay healthy or, you know, again, any any off the field issues, all that stuff's behind him. So I think this could be a potential, I think it has to be a breakout season for him to, to really take that next step as a football player. But he's a guy that should become, if all things play out really well, and who cares if the quarterback's Jack Cohn or Drew Pine, Kevin Austin should be a national household name after this season if all things go to plan according to offensive coordinator Tommy Reese and receivers coach Dell Alexander that's the kind of kid that needs to really burst on the scene because it'll help on the recruiting trail because these receivers pay attention and they want to see that legit top end guys are going to Notre Dame and taking that next step so it, it'll be fun to watch him this year that's really interesting that you said that that they want to like you, you you said that the receivers are paying attention I feel like sometimes in recruiting the narrative can be oh, we don't have any wide receivers. So that means the receivers are going to come want to play for us because our depth chart's wide open. I feel like that's a pitch for suckers. I think you're acknowledging the absolute truth is that like 
a kid watches Alabama or Ohio State and they're receiving, they're saying, I'm going to be in a class and I don't care if there's four other elite receivers in that class. Like we're all probably going to be NFL players. Like it's, it's, it's proof of concept, not, Hey, we really need you. Yeah, exactly. And you mentioned two schools that do it pretty much better than anybody. I mean, look what Ohio State brought in. What was it a year ago? And and just, I mean, four top 100 kids, just elite caliber guys that, you know, like, yeah, there is a chance that all four of them could be on the field at the same time, but you know, it's unlikely or, or with Alabama, they just, they don't rebuild. They just reload. It's an easy pitch. Do you, you look a lot like Devonte Smith coming out of high school. You run like him. You're already bigger than him. You could probably do as well or similar to him in our system in just a couple of years. So people are going to buy into that. I mean, the whole coming in as a true freshman, they all talk about it. They want to do it, but then they get to school and they realize like, all right, all of these guys were once in my shoes too. And yeah, I'm pretty good. And, and yeah, or, or yeah, I'm really good. But then they get to the college and it's just, it's not as easy as they think it is to just come in and combine school and football and, and just a change in their life. And then also just be a really, really good football player and, and, you know, jump ahead of the depth chart, all these guys that have been in the system for a while. So that's pretty much, pretty much what's so crazy about Blake Fisher and Rocco Spindler coming in. And, and if it was today, I would have them in the starting lineup at Notre Dame as true freshmen. So it's kind of crazy because that just wasn't something that you really expected, but now they might have two top 100 guys uh, in the next come week one against Florida state. Yeah. I will say this as I'm, as we're wrapping up and I'm scrolling through the football recruiting list of over the years. Notre Dame signed in 2020, a top 40 receiver, uh, Jordan Johnson. He's, he's gone. And then you mentioned Kevin Austin, a few classes earlier was a top 100 guy. So like they're getting, they're getting a guy here and there. It's just kind of, they've been unlucky in that regard. Last question for you, Tom, the impact that when I look at Notre Dame with a, with a top five class right now, do we trace that more to the NFL draft success or do we trace it to, uh, consistently proving that they're a playoff team? I think it's everything. I think people are realizing that this is a Notre Dame team that can actually compete for a national championship, whether people want to admit that or not. I mean, this this team, this coaching staff, the players, they have what it takes to they beat Clemson last year. I know Trevor Lawrence didn't play, but they beat a really good Clemson team last year. They got beat by Alabama, but you know what? Last I checked, there was a lot of teams in college football that were going to get beat by Alabama last year. So I think that when you're looking at the complete package of what Notre Dame brings to the table, both on and off the field, I think that's really what it comes down to. But I also think, like I said before at the start, this coaching staff really gets after it on the recruiting trail. Marcus Freeman is a guy that they need to keep on the defensive side of the ball for a very long time. Or while some people may think I'm crazy, this is a guy that should be in the discussion potentially for next head coach at Notre Dame, because when you get to know him, he just gets it. He gets the importance of recruiting, the on-field success, the players love him. And you have him on defense. You have Tommy Reese, who I think is one of the more underrated assistant coaches in in college football. I think he's so, so smart uh, when it comes to the X's, X's and O's. And he's a pretty relentless recruiter on the trail. And I think he's got a really good eye for talent. So that combined with you know, underrated guys behind them, just the regular assistants and Mike Elston, Brian Polian and others. Everything that Notre Dame has going for them right now is contributing to the success on the field. And and like you said, a, a number four overall class uh, in the country. I love it, Tom. We, uh, we started talking O-linemen. We're ending the podcast talking Brian Kelly's heir apparent. I'm going to make sure that gets, that makes the video VOD cut. Maybe, uh, maybe someone will do an article on it. Um, Tom Loy singles out Notre Dame's replacement for Brian Kelly. I appreciate it a lot. Follow Tom Loy on Twitter at TomLoy247. I hope everyone has a great weekend. My name is Trey Scott. Our producer is Lance Glenn. We'll talk to you next time on the College Football Daily. Football Daily.